Welcome. This is the Business of Vulnerability, the podcast that shares the wonderful work that individuals, organizations, and communities are doing around the world to try and help those who are most vulnerable. Welcome to the Business of Vulnerability podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Drew Moser. Drew is the executive director of the Lucky Duck Foundation. Drew, thank you so much for taking time to come and chat with us. Of course. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Hey, Drew, can you uh, give us a brief overview of who the Lucky Duck Foundation is, where they came from, and what they're doing right now? Sure. Yeah, it was started about 15 years ago by Pat and Stephanie Kilkenny. And Pat's been a very successful businessman. And he was basically like, okay, I can write a massive check to charity and be done with it. Or, um, that's where I think Stephanie got involved, we could invite our friends to get together and tell them whatever they contribute, we will match. And then, you know, we'll double our impact that way. So for about a dozen years, they'd get their friends together, have a fundraising event, raise a bunch of money. Pat and Stephanie would match it and they'd give it away to three or four causes close to their heart. And it was about four years ago, uh, the Peter Seidlers, the general partner of the San Diego Padres, teamed up with Dan Shea, another longtime businessman and, and civic leader, uh, to study homelessness and, and really to organize the private sector around taking action because there was seemingly very little leadership or care about just the, the growing issue that was becoming a, a crisis of homelessness in San Diego. At the time, we had the fourth largest homeless population in the country. And so Dan and Peter organized several um, you know, key leaders and like-minded people and started having a weekly call every Tuesday. They, they aptly called themselves the Tuesday group. And it was really the business sector getting organized to say, we need to take action. What can we do? And, and let's you know, quit talking about it and let's get something done. And it was shortly, and so they included Pat and Stephanie in those conversations. And it was shortly thereafter that that Dan and Peter went to Pat and Stephanie and said, you know, we could start our own 501c3 and raise money to fund some of these programs that we're talking about. Or would you consider using the Lucky Duck Foundation as that vehicle that can raise money and that can deploy funds in the community uh, to help the homeless? And, and Pat and Stephanie thought about it and, and ultimately said, yeah, we think we can a- have an even greater impact if we do so. And so shortly thereafter, this was in about 2017, they, they shifted the focus to homelessness and they jumped in with both feet and they funded, uh, with the help of, of Peter, they funded three or purchased three industrial tent structures that serve as bridge shelters that collectively sleep uh, about 675 people per night. And, um, and ever since then, the focus has been homelessness, getting folks off the streets, into shelter, into housing, um, connected to the critical services that they need. And, and uh, there's been several other programs that we have funded since then um, from, you know, we've got San Diego's institutions of higher learning working together, doing collaborative, actionable research. We received an anonymous million-dollar gift last fall to fund uh, region-wide employment and job training programs. Uh, We've rolled out an initiative to provide food and water to unsheltered homeless residents. And then there's, you know, we tell people it's got to be best in class, cost-effective, 
um, and, and proven for us to fund it. It could be outreach, transportation, access to education, on and on. The bottom line is what I tell people is we raise money to fund, activate, and lead high-impact programs that alleviate the suffering of, of homelessness in San Diego. And so, what, you know, one of the first questions I usually get is, well, where's the Lucky Duck Foundation name come from, or what does that mm. mean? And um, Pat uh, grew up in Oregon. He's an Oregon duck through and through. He actually was their athletic director uh, for a few years, I don't know, 12 or 15 years ago, built some major facilities up there. So he's an Oregon duck through and through, but with the last name Kilkenny, you can probably deduce that there's some Irish lineage there. And his wife said, you know, we could just call ourselves the Kilkenny Foundation, but why not go with something a little more clever like the Lucky Duck Foundation? So luck of the Irish, Oregon ducks, and and uh, it's really built on, on just generosity. Pat and Stephanie match up to a million dollars per year, and uh, they're some of the most uh, just amazing, generous people that don't want any credit. They don't care who gets the credit. They just want to help help uh, the community and change lives. And and so, yeah, it's probably far too long-winded of an answer, but that's what the Lucky Duck Foundation is. No, that answers exactly my, my exact question is where did the Lucky Duck Foundation name come from? So thanks for, for covering that. I, uh, I, I can't help but think of, um, you know, how lucky I've been in my life. And just thinking about the Lucky Duck Foundation in general makes me feel like, well, because I'm lucky as well, I probably should be giving back in some capacity. Obviously, I can't quite match the resources of, of Pat and Stephanie and, and uh, uh, you know, Dan and, and Peter there, but but it, it does inspire, I think, others to, to think that way and to, to think about how they can give. Um, you're, I'm curious with the work around the Lucky Duck Foundation is doing around homelessness, um, and and the with the bridge shelters, how how did that come to pass? Um, like, how was that the idea that they ended up with um, to to be able to fund? Well, when Peter and Dan set out on this mission roughly four years ago, they both said, "Okay, we're gonna quietly study this issue for as long as it takes us, so that we're you know relatively or." awfully informed on the issue and educated and prepared so that when they go talk to the politicians and other uh, key constituents that they know what they're talking about. And, and Peter has said all along, there's no such thing as a perfect solution or strategy in homelessness, but there is best in class. And so when they looked at all the different options that were available to move folks off the streets, the bridge shelters, um, quickly rose to the top of the list. When you look at their, they can be assembled very quickly. They can, they're temporary if that causes, you know, heartburn with any communities. Uh, the cost effectiveness, when you look at the cost of, of not only taking an individual off the street, but then keeping them sheltered there, it's, it's very cost effective. I mean, it's above and beyond it being the humane and right thing to do. Um, you know, those folks, Peter and Dan, Pat, Stephanie, look at things through a, a business lens or that business perspective. And so that's really what the reasoning was behind purchasing and opening those um, those bridge shelters. And, and, you know, to your earlier point about the Lucky Duck Foundation, I, I thought the exact same thing. Like, I can't write checks like you guys knew yet. It's it's. Uh, I hope to someday, but I'll give you what time and little talent I have to support the cause and 
So that's kind of how I got involved in this work is just volunteering. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really kind of the whole impetus is, is we've got a saying, share your luck. And that could be volunteering. It could be writing a $10 check, $100 check, $1,000 check. It could be starting a fundraiser. It's, yeah, if you consider yourself to have some, some good fortune and, and luck in your lives, uh, share your luck with others. And, and really, that's exactly what Peter and Dan did. They, when they started studying these bridge shelters, they don't, um, they don't have to do this work. Nobody asked them to do it. They took it upon themselves. And even more so than that, they and Pat and Stephanie and, and our board of directors, they'll they'll remind folks that, you know, we're not we're not doing this for the accolades. This is not a, a temporary deal to get things sorted out. And then we're going to move on to our next project. They are fully, fully invest, invested and in, in committed to this initiative. And and, you know, politicians come and go, but they are, are seeing this thing through. And that's really our mission is to. um. Uh, do everything in our power to lead San Diego to best practices in all areas of homelessness and do it with a, just a really steady, persistent, consistent approach and try to help as many folks as we can. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that is uh, really cool. I'm, uh, I'm curious how COVID has affected the work that you guys have been doing um, with the foundation and, and with supporting homelessness in San Diego. Yeah, I think it's, turned a lot of people's worlds upside down. Definitely. Hopefully we all come out of this a little bit stronger and, and better, but, um, you know, talking about the bridge shelters there, those are bunk beds that are 24 inches apart. I, I don't think there's going to be any time soon. We go back to that type of situation, mm -hmm. but we'll work around it and adapt and, and roll with it and come up with a, a different and hopefully better game plan. But, uh, it, we had a major benefactor come to us shortly after COVID hit and said, okay, if there's 4,000 people living unsheltered on the streets that now don't have access to food and water because so many of these community and faith-based feedings have gone away, we need to do something to get them fed. Um, can you help? And, or do you know how to pull that off? And, and we said, yes, we do. And, and uh, so we went to the San Diego Sheriff's Department who already makes 15,000 meals per day for their inmate population. They've got this massive commercial kitchen. Mm. They've got the ability to go well above and beyond that. And so what they do is they make, pack, and deliver cold, non-perishable meals plus water uh, to us three times per week. And then we work with the Regional Task Force on the Homeless and about that's like around 25 different outreach teams from a dozen or so different social service agencies those those outreach teams those outreach professionals come and pick up those meals and distribute them to folks that are living on the streets and so the whole purpose the the two objectives is really to keep folks fed and, and hydrated during these you know precarious times but secondarily to give those professional outreach workers another tool in their tool belt to be even more effective at building that trust and rapport, building that relationship to ultimately help the homeless end the homeless, help the homeless end their homelessness. Mm. So we've gone from feeding about 400 people per day to feeding over a thousand people per day. Just about a week ago, we eclipsed the hundred thousand meal mark. 
And, um, and so this program is off and running and, and, and our foot's on the gas too. This isn't like a temporary, you know, COVID type of program. We're about getting folks off the streets and, and connected to the services that they need. So we're actively recruiting other outreach teams and organizations to uh, partner with us to distribute these meals and, and reach and help more folks. And, um, and so, yeah, we're, we're actively growing it, fundraising around it. And, and the feedback from the outreach workers, um, almost to every single one of them is, oh my gosh, this, we've had people that, you know, cover themselves in blankets that don't want to talk, that completely ignore us that are now coming out, engaging with us, engaging in dialogue and even accepting services. And that's, that's huge. If we can, if those meals can be a, uh, you know, a unlock the pathway to a, a healthier, safer, productive path. That's, that's huge above and beyond just providing the sustenance that they provide. Yeah. That's a, amazing. So you've done about a hundred thousand meals. There are a little over a hundred thousand meals already. Uh, is there an end in sight? Is the plan to continue to do this indefinitely? What's the long-term goals there? Well, yeah, the long-term goal is, um, is to feed more people. If there's again, 4,000 folks on the street, how can we reach those folks so that that number, um, comes down, but in the meantime, we're able to feed folks. And when you look at some of the work being done in San Diego with, um, the unanimously approved homeless action plan, which has three goals end veteran homelessness, end and prevent youth homelessness and decrease unsheltered homelessness by 50%. Well, these meals, if we're doing our job as a community, that number theoretically goes from 4,000 on the streets down to 2000. Well, let's keep feeding the thousand and growing. Um, but just again, let's keep galvanizing this community, keep folks fed, help folks in their homelessness and, and support the, the wider sort of collective um, teamwork that's taking place here locally. Wow. That's, that is really cool. That's amazing. Um, you said, you know, you're partnering with service providers and different groups to distribute them. Is there any opportunities for people that are just in San Diego that want to help to come volunteer and help? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, it's three days a week, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that the meals are delivered. They're delivered to two different locations, um, Miramar and, and down in Chula Vista. And so we need help unloading the trucks, getting the meals sorted by organization. And then we create, we design this. So it's basically a pit stop for those outreach workers. They pull in, they grab their meals and they're in and out of there in, you know, three to five minutes so they can hit the streets. So we need help on those days. Um, and then we also, as this thing grows, we'll be looking to other organizations and volunteers that want to do the equivalent of outreach work. In other words, taking the meals and distributing them to the homeless. Mm -hmm and being equipped with some level of knowledge where they can um, know where to direct those folks to resources and what resources are available. Um, so yeah, this is, you know, we talk about homelessness can't be addressed by just a few organizations or people working on it. It, it really is, uh, a, I think of it as a team of teams approach and everybody doing their small part 
whether that's coming out and volunteering with the meals, whether it's you have the capacity to write a sizable check, uh, whether it's volunteering elsewhere, this is, uh, you know, everybody's got to do their, their part to help our community and help those folks that are living on the streets. Yeah. I, uh, I'm curious what the, the next steps for the lucky duck foundation will be, right? You're trying to deliver, you know, best in class homeless services for, for San Diego. What's on the horizon or maybe was in the planning stages before COVID hit um, to so much has been addressing COVID issues, but what is the, the next steps, you know, a year from now, two years from now that the lucky duck foundation is looking forward to trying to implement. Yeah, so a few different things are normally we're able to host an annual fundraising event that consists of golf and a program afterwards with a live auction and paddle raise and several other fun components to it. We're going to do a modified golf, but the virtual or the event's going to be virtual. That'll be online on, on October 5th. So it encourage people to go to our, our website, luckyduckfoundation.org and, and uh, check that out because we're, a lot of foundations are might be sitting on this, you know, um, endowment or uh, significant corpus, and mm -hmm. they just give those annual proceeds that investment income to fund the pro program. We go out and raise money every year uh, to fund these programs, and so uh, we rely on on those donations in order to really have a, a meaningful impact. And so, uh, hopefully, folks can join us on the virtual event. It'll be a a deeper dive on what we're talking about here. And instead of having to hear from me constantly, you can hear from some of the folks that we're actually supporting in the, in the community. Um, but thinking, you know, bigger and long-term, yes, we will grow the meal program. That's um, at the top of our priority list, but we're also studying and paying more attention to youth homelessness. The numbers are are heartbreaking in San Diego. It's it's generally accepted. There's 500 youth ages 12 to 17 and another 1,000 18 to 24 that are on the streets. Uh, but then when you look at the San Diego Community College District, which has over 100,000 students in their system, uh, they say that 16 to 18% experience homelessness. And that's a massive number. And so it's like one of our service provider, one of our youth service providers says, you know, we have to catch these kids while the cement is still wet. And I, I think that's so true. And so because uh, the other part of it is when you look at the chronically homeless, it's estimated that 50 percent of the chronically homeless were homeless when they were a youth. Um, and, you know, I was I was with an organization yesterday and and spent time with with three kids that are uh, it's remarkable the work that they've done that the organization has done but the work that these youth have done to try to overcome their uh, circumstances which guess what they they were not at fault for those circumstances it was uh, issues out of their control and uh, hearing their stories and what they're what they've overcome and what they're doing to overcome it is it's incredibly inspiring and, and emotional and uh, many, many other things. And so studying homeless, not just studying it, but funding programs uh, on, a, on a wide scale, on a big picture scale that, you know, don't take five and 10 kids off the streets, but let's look at how can we take 100 or 150, whatever the right number mm -hmm. is, do it in a really meaningful way that changes lives, it changes lives early 
um, so that, you know, we're, we're able to keep folks off the streets, you know, make their homelessness as, as brief and as temporary as, as possible and, and uh, hopefully never again. Wow. Uh, it sounds like you not only have a, a clear vision of where the future is, but also your work cut out for you a little bit uh, with with the the need there in San Diego and and uh, you know and otherwise. Hopefully, San Diego is one of those places where the best practices flow outward to all of the other cities that that need it. Because um, as amazing as the work the Lucky Duck Foundation is doing in San Diego, this type of stuff is needed all over the country. And so, I hope the the things you're implementing. Um, can have a, a domino effect on communities that are outside of San Diego as well. We, we do too. We talk about trying to uh, lead the country or be a national leader in, in how we're addressing this issue. And, and yeah, it's, there's obviously there's no silver bullet in this work, but how I think of it is, I, I don't know who's a saying is by, or if it's cliche or what, but I think it's so true is that, Yard by yard, life is hard. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. And so we're just we're chipping away at this thing, and and uh, you know supporting those that are programs that are truly best in class. And mm-hmm. and over, it's kind of like Peter Seidler says, the owner of the Padres. We're probably in the first or second inning of this thing, and I think that's very true. And we'll just keep chipping away, chipping away, and 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 uh, you know keep doing everything in our power to make a difference in people's lives and, and get folks off the streets and onto a uh, better, safer, healthier path. Wow. Awesome. Well, Drew, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, <clears throat> if, uh, if any of our listeners want to try and help the Lucky Duck Foundation, uh, either through volunteering or monetary donations, or even are interested in some of the things that you're implementing, what's the best way to learn more to get in contact with you guys? Yeah. LuckyDuckFoundation.org. Folks are welcome to email me direct uh, directly, Drew M D R E W M at LuckyDuckFoundation.org, um, and we're happy to speak with you. And, and on our website, there's a little tab that says "Share Your Luck," and that'll should give you plenty of options of ways to get involved. But uh, no, thanks a lot for having us, Blake. It's it's good to join you here. Yeah, we are super grateful not only for you having time to come on here, but also for the work that you're doing. All right, I'm excited to hear when you get to the 200,000 mark with the meals, not just 100,000, which at a, at a thousand uh, meals a day, you'll get there fairly quickly. So uh, it's exciting, exciting the work that you're doing, and and you know uh, we give our heartfelt thanks for everything that, that you're doing, and and for you know, uh, everybody behind the Lucky Duck Foundation. It's uh, it's an inspiration and it's needed. And, and we're very grateful for what you do. Thank you. Thanks very much, Blake. No problem. Thank you for listening to The Business of Vulnerability. If you or somebody you know would be a wonderful guest for our next recording, please let us know at Team Pulse. It's T-E-A-M-P-U-L-S-E at pulseforgood.com. Thank you.